For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, New Life. Uh, good, to, good to see you all. Um, so I have a couple of things I just want to share. You might be noticing that we changed the seats around again. Uh, what's happening with that? Well, we thought that you didn't have enough change going on in your life, so we thought we'd just add a bit more uh, to it. Um, as well as that uh, by the seats not being the same over here, then maybe I won't be missing Ken as much. So, um, Ken and Kimberly. So, uh, anyway, that's, uh, we're just trying different configurations to see how we can fit ourselves in here and create space for getting in and out of the chairs and, and whatnot. And, and so that's a little bit happening there. Uh, reminder, reminder that we have our, our semi-annual general meeting in between the AGM. Uh, so that's on tomorrow night. And we encourage you to register for that. If you haven't, you don't need to be a member to register. We will come to some voting items and you will need to be a member to vote, but you don't need to be a member to attend. It will be Zoom uh, and um, so that's happening. You can go online and you can register for that. Uh, would be be really good. You'll hear an update on um, on certain things that are happening here in the church, and uh, so it'd be noteworthy of you to uh, tune in and be part of that on Monday tomorrow. Uh, I think that's probably all the kind of housekeeping stuff that I wanted to do for us as a church. Oh, I know one other thing I wanted to share. Um, so what's going to happen here for Sunday mornings is uh, this Sunday, next Sunday, I am on. And then uh, the next two Sundays, Pastor Andrew will be on. And then the next two Sundays, I'll be on. And then Pastor Andrew, you kind of get the picture. Him and I are going to share Sunday mornings, two on and two off. Um, might be some interruptions in there according to what takes place, but that's pretty much what we're going to do moving, moving forward. So that'll be good. It'd be good to hear from Pastor Andrew, Andrew, as well as from me, and I wanted you to be aware of how that is moving forward. Um, and we just want to say as a staff and as uh, the elders that we recognize that we've been processing Pastor Ken leaving um, and the transition been going on for us, especially in the office for the last four or five weeks. And I think for a church, for, for us as a church, I think it, it, it probably feels newer than that. And we just acknowledge that, that you may still uh, go, oh, um, it feels different. I don't know if I like it. Uh, I can tell you that in the office, I had those same feelings. Oh, it's different. I don't know if I like it. But it is what reality is. And we'll live into it and believe that God is working and he has a plan in it. So uh, that's, that's all. That's all I wanted to say there. So... This morning, I want to look at the kingdom of God. And I want to look at the kingdom of God as recognizing that Jesus comes and he says the kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God is at hand. And in that, he brings about this disruption. Uh, the kingdom of God brings about a disruption. It brought about a disruption for what was happening at the time, and it brings about a disruption in our lives today. And that's what I want to look at. Uh, because it brings about change, and change is disruption. 
I remember that I remember very clearly I was 11 years old and I was in my bed and my mom came into my room and she said to me um, I need to talk to you your father and I have something that we need to tell you and I remember sitting there and I didn't say a thing like I couldn't figure out what they were gonna say and uh, maybe worried that it was not gonna be good news and then my mom looked at me and she said I am pregnant. And it's like, what? You have to know that my sister is two years older than me, and then myself, and there's nobody. There's no, no younger siblings. And now, 11 years later, my mom tells me that she is pregnant. And she says, a lot of things are going to change. <laughs> okay. And, uh, you know, you're going to have a little brother, a little sister, and a lot of things are going to change. And so she, uh, she says, Mom, your mom and dad, mom and dad just want you to know that and just to, just to be, be ready. So I remember she, uh, she turns out the light, closes the door, and I'm laying there in bed, and, and I'm excited. Oh, little brother, little sister. And then the thought hit me. Oh, a little brother? If I have a little brother, that means I have to share my room with my brother. Oh, Lord, let it, be a, let it be a girl. Let it be a girl. Now, before you judge me, I'm 11 years old. And you have to know that my family has this thing about building homes and staying in small spaces. And so for about a year, my parents were building a home, and there were four of us living in a camper. And then one day, there were five of us living in this camper because they found somebody who needed a place to sleep. And we had some space on the floor. And so literally, mom and dad were up here, my sister and I on the table that broke down into a bed, and this person, I can't remember who she was, but she was laying on the floor. <laughs> so the idea of having my own room, I, I, I just got this room. I, I didn't want to give it up, and so I prayed for the next seven months, let it be a girl, let it be a girl. And... The baby is born, and it's a boy. And boy, did life change. And it didn't take long for me to fall in love with my brother and to have great joy of him sharing a room with me. But it was a disruption in our life as a family. It was four of us, and now there was five. And we all fit in the truck together. And now we weren't. And when we left, it was much easier to get out the house. And now we've got a kid, and it's much harder. And so change, when it's a disruption, it's a disruption oftentimes when it's not on our terms, not what we're asking for. And when we come to the kingdom of God, it's really that way. The kingdom of God comes, and it disrupts our lives. It disrupted the life of those in Israel. So let's look at Matthew chapter 4. Please look at your Bibles, grab your phones, grab your, your paper Bible if you have it, and let's look. I, I mentioned a little bit of this uh, in my daily, and so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but it's here in Matthew 4. Jesus comes after the temptation, the angels minister to him, and now he makes this declaration, he makes this announcement. And prior to that, Matthew reads from Isaiah, and he has these words, from Isaiah that say this, verse 16, the people who sat in, in darkness have seen a great light, 
and for those who live in the, the land where death casts its shadow, a light has shined. So chapter 4, verse 17, then from here, Jesus says, he began to preach, repent for, the, for your sin, repent of your sins, turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. This kingdom comes, and as this kingdom comes, it brings light into the darkness. This kingdom, this kingdom of God, this light brings life from death. And Jesus preaches this, this kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven. Matthew says kingdom of heaven because he's writing as a Jew, predominantly to the Jews. And for the Jews, the name God was revered. You didn't speak this name. You, you tried not to speak Yahweh. And so for, for Matthew, he says the kingdom of heaven. But you look through the Gospels, and it's the kingdom of God. Same thing here. And he says the kingdom of God is at hand. And he calls the people to repent. What are they repenting from? Repent of your sins. Is he talking anything specifically? And I think there is something specific here. Because the way they looked at the kingdom of God coming was that the Messiah was going to come. And he was going to sit on this throne. And it was going to be an earthly throne. And he was going to rule over Israel. But not only Israel, he was going to rule over the world. This is this earthly kingdom. And Jesus is saying, the kingdom of God is here, but you will see it is not the kingdom that you think it is. The way that we're going to take over the world is not by force, but the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the gospel. See, the gospel transforms a community. The gospel transforms the community. I don't know if you're aware of, but on Saturday, last Saturday, not this Saturday, but on the 8th, Bill C-4 came law. And that means that, that if your child or somebody in your family is struggling with homosexuality and they go to get help, you can't say no. It's illegal. Things are changing. We know that abortion is here and around us. Our country is not a Christian nation. It does not hold up the Bible and say, this is how we determine right and wrong. It's not looking to God. That's because as a nation, we are not predominantly Christian. We're predominantly unchurched nation. When the kingdom of God comes and transforms your life, it changes the way we look at things. We cannot overcome the government by force and change the way we do things here. Why did we hold to the laws that we had in the past? Because the kingdom of God changed our hearts. We were viewing it from his vantage point. 
If we want our nation to be changed, it's the hearts and lives that are changed. And when the majority of the people here go, I want to follow God, then we change the way we look at things and we do things. And that's what Jesus is saying. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's here. It's today. And it changes our lives in what we do. And so he comes and he says, repent. Repent. How are you looking at this world? Are you looking at it through the eyes of our God and our Savior? Or are we looking at it through the eyes of ourselves and the world? Okay, so maybe this is a little uncomfortable. I'll move on to something a little bit, a little bit more pleasant. Let's look at John 10.10. 10. So look at John 10.10. 10. Here, it, it's much more pleasant because it says, Jesus says, I came that you might have life and might have it abundantly. Or as the New Living Translation says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Well, what is the context of what he's speaking here? He's saying here that he is the shepherd. He is the gatekeeper. He is the one that if you want to be in the sheep pen, you've got to go through him. That's his kingdom. The kingdom of God is that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but, to the Father but through him. And if we read in here, we see that there are some who try to come in falsely. They try to come over, and they come over the fence and into the sheep pen and into the sheepfold. And in that, this, it says, prior to Jesus saying that I come, that you might have life and might have it abundantly, he says here that the thief's purpose is to steal and to kill and to destroy. So our world that we live in dangles this carrot of abundant life. It dangles the carrot of abundant life before us. If you are a teen here, the average teen spends five to seven hours a day on social media. If you're not a teen, you spend two to three hours a day on social media. The average person spends about four hours a day on their phone. They say about 20% of you here read your Bible four or more times a week. 20%. The world tells us what this abundant life is. It's telling us what it is. It's trying to explain it to us. It's want us it wants us to buy into it. And the world will tell us a nice house a good car, a great bank account, and the perfect body is the abundant life. Just scroll through TikTok and just look at the videos that are being presented. Google how much money is made on TikTok and who's making it and how they're making it. Millions of dollars are being made by presen presenting somebody's body and their life. And it's saying this is what 
abundant life is. But the truth is, is all it is is a dopamine hit. The truth is, is that our houses will need, need to be renovated. Our cars will be, need to be replaced. I remember buying our car some years ago, and, and, uh, and I sat in it, and I thought, oh, we got, a, we got a new car. It was a used car. It was a new car to us. And I sat in it, and my thought came to me is that one, some day, some, when this car was first made in 2010, and somebody sat in it, it was new. It smelt new. You know that new car smell? Isn't that a great smell? Somebody got to smell that, that new car smell in my car that was new to me. But it's getting older every year. And it'll need to be replaced. And the truth is, is my bank account will never be enough. And this body... This body sags, it droops, it aches, and it groans. Amen? Now, if you're young, it doesn't at all. If you're young, it's like, woo, let me at him. I can do it. Give me this mountain. I'll take it. But along the way, it starts to droop and sag and moan and groan. It just doesn't last. But the world will tell you that it does. That's not the abundant life. Here's the question I have for you. What if you lost all your material wealth? What would your faith in God be? What if you lost your physical health? What would your life be? How would you view God? Who is he to you? What does it mean to have abundant life? Okay, I'm going to take a little pause here, and I'm going to invite somebody to come up, and uh, I want them to share with us a bit of their story. Now, this man here is Andrew Wagenthal, and um, <clears throat> most of you, if you saw him without his mask on, wouldn't even recognize him. <laughs> What, he's got a goatee? Are you kidding me? Since the age of 13. <laughs> and so I thought that it would be great for you to, like, who's this guy standing up here leading us in worship? Like, who is he? And, and he's got a story that I would love for you to hear. And so I've invited him up here for him to, uh, to share a little bit, for you to get to know him, and for him to share his story and flow into what I'm talking about. So first of all, Andrew... Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and your family, and we'll start there. I'm Andrew. I am officially middle-aged now. I have been married to Lisa Wagenthal for 18 wonderful years. That's for her. And I am father to Natalia, who is in grade 12, Isaiah in grade 10, and Cadence somewhere outside with the name. Uh, she's in grade nine. And I'm a musician. And I really like basketball. All right. Um, so how, how long have you been here in Duncan? And what brought you to Duncan? 
Our one-year anniversary here in town was on the 12th. And what brought us here? Well, uh, we could spend a couple hours on that, but for the sake of time, we'll keep it simple. Uh, predominantly, my health and my wife's work is what brought us here. Um, I have had pretty significant health issues since my early 20s was the onset. Uh, since then, I've shed my entire body's worth of skin. I've spent some time in a wheelchair, had three bouts of kidney stones in 12 months, all kinds of really weird stuff doctors could not explain. Until three years ago, I was given the diagnosis of stage three sarcoidosis, which is an autoimmune disease that is currently affecting seven of my organs and systems. Uh, to the point that my last CT scan, my lungs and my liver were a 50-50 leopard print of healthy tissues and sarcoid granulomas. So, I have uh, not a lot of pain, uh, more of those aches and groans, for sure. Um, but I have major issues with blood oxygenation and energy levels. Um, as an example, after Sunday morning singing, which is hard to do with half your lungs, uh, I usually fall asleep for about five hours. All right. Um, migraines. You have migraines as well. Yes. Uh, Cochrane, Alberta, famous for Chinooks, is not a great place to be when you suffer with migraines. So I was having about five week. Uh, having trouble breathing at high altitudes. I would break a sweat putting my laundry away, that kind of stuff. So uh, my specialists said all of their patients basically fell into two categories, those that moved to a coastal region where it was closer to sea level and more temperate, or those that wished they could. And Lisa and I just kind of laughed about it because that wasn't going to happen. Uh, and then Lisa actually... Uh, ended up with some health issues too. She was, she works with special needs kids and she was uh, attacked by a client and ended up with a deviated septum and trigeminal neuralgia, which is not fun. Um, and so her doctor said, hey, you should maybe consider moving somewhere more coastal. And we laughed and moved on. Then our dog developed this weird thing on her nose. And we went to the vet and the vet said, oh, yeah, it's keratosis. She just needs more humidity. <laughs> so we laughed and said, okay, we're starting to get the picture here. Uh, and then I think it was a couple weeks later, in one day, uh, I had already, I was basically not working for the previous two years. Um, and with COVID being the case uh, and half my lungs working, we played it pretty careful for those couple of years, so I wasn't leaving the apartment a lot. We had downsized into, uh, because I wasn't working, we had downsized into some social housing. The five of us moved into a 975 square foot apartment with one bathroom and three teenagers. And Almost like a camper. It, kind of, yeah. Uh, not a whole lot different than our holiday trailer. Um, and one Friday afternoon, Lisa lost 80% of her work. And so we said, okay the winds of change they are blowing and uh, Lisa put out her uh, resume all across BC we figured maybe we could get to the interior or something like that and we felt the east coast was too far away and uh, lo and behold she ended up with nine job interviews in this vicinity and was offered every single one of them and so 
that was the end of November. We came and spent a week, and by middle of December, we had found a home, which was also a pretty significant miracle. And uh, via Facebook Marketplace, never actually met with anybody. And we were here on January 12th. So question I have for you, Andrew, and is um, <clears throat> how has this affected you and God? Um, I mean, you, you've had days where you can't get out of bed. Um, you've had moments where when you talk about wheelchair because you couldn't stand. Um, couldn't stand, couldn't walk. Couldn't walk. Uh, what about this abundant life? What about this? What does that mean? Uh, what does God mean in the midst of your health trials? Um, well, in the end, it's all the Sunday school answers. He is faithful. He's, he's held us in the palm of his hand. I mean, um, because of my health issues, it's only by his graces that we've made it through <laughs> this far. Um, but there have been some pretty dark times as well, uh, where I've struggled with questioning, not just the health side of things, but I, I mean, I'm a musician and I'm married to a woman who studied fine art. So <laughs> it's, a, it's an interesting pairing to start a family with. And I've, I've questioned why I've been given the gifts that I have when they're seemingly not that valuable to society, um, things like that. Um, but Lisa and I very early on in our marriage, uh, just through prayer, heard over and over again that if we used our gifts to take care of the church, that God would take care of us. So I've, I've been... Uh, working as a worship pastor for almost our entire marriage now. And that has rang true at every turn. We've been through some pretty crazy stuff. I mean, you talk about change and uh, I mean, the health stuff's just the tip of the iceberg. We've lived in seven different cities in 12 different homes. And I, my oldest kid has gone to 12 different schools and she's in grade 12. So um, just relying on him for, peace through all of the change and you know when it says don't be anxious well <laughs> if I had been I'd probably been committed by now so uh, just relying on him for really everything and and we found um, it was interesting with the pandemic hitting we had already downsized and I wasn't working so we had had like a year head start on all of the changes that were coming for a lot of other people and to be honest I really liked the simplicity of the way we were living um, when a lot of the scheduling issues and the possession issues and trying to keep up with the Joneses in Cochrane, which is a very affluent neighborhood outside of Calgary, uh, when that all fell away, frankly, it was a relief. Um, just to have time back, I got to spend more time with my kids and things like that. Um, so I would say every every challenge we've had, thankfully, has been a faith building experience, though it definitely didn't have to be. Um, I have a stalwart wife who's very versatile, which also helps, keeps me focused. Andrew, I, I appreciate you sharing today. I hope that as a church, you've gotten to know Andrew a little bit more, um, who he is, why he is who he is, um, even perhaps uh, why he leads us in singing the way he leads us. Uh, it reminds me that each one of us has this story. We have this backstory of, of who we are. 
Um, some of us are younger, and you're writing your story, uh, and it's young, and some of us are older, and a lot has been written. But we all have this backstory to make us who we are. Uh, for the Wagenthals, it has not been easy, uh, but I think the testimony is, is that you continue to worship God. You continue to see him and to know him and to follow after him. Because abundant life, I believe for you, is found in Christ and not the things of this world. Um, but look, because a lot of them have been taken away. So, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. Appreciate it very much. I am so convinced that when we allow ourselves to live in an abundant life, an abundant life is not that our, our world is going to be without struggles and difficulties and trials, but that in them we have hope, we have peace, we have, we have joy because we have Christ. That is the abundant life. In the midst of all of this, that's what it is. We will never get to a place on this world where it is perfect and we have no, no more trials, no more heartaches, no more difficulties. That the abundant life in Christ is that in all of this, in the highs and the lows, he still is God. Let me finish off with this. So you just turn quickly to, to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. And it's uh, verses 35 to 45. It's here that James and John come to Jesus and they say to Jesus, Jesus, we want to sit on your right hand and your left hand. And uh, Jesus says, can you really handle that? Can you really handle all the suffering, all the trials, all the heartaches that are going to, it's going to cost you to do it? And they say, yes, we can. And they didn't understand what that meant. Again, they were looking at it from the worldly perspective, the world kingdom. And they saw Jesus sitting on this earthly throne. And they saw this as sitting in, in places of position and power. Because those positions were, were positions of, of power that you would sit on the king's right hand and his left hand. You were the closest advisors to him. And you would be given like the signet ring to make decisions for the king. And they wanted this position. And of course, Jesus says to him, listen, you are going to go through suffering and you will be my workers for, for the kingdom of God, but you don't even understand what this means. And then he goes on and let's look at verses 35 and 45 real quick here. Because Jesus... Jesus uh, replies to them. He brings them together. And uh, ooh, let me get to the right one here. And he replies as he brings the disciples together. Come on. Uh, in verse 42, he says, You know that the rulers of this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came to be served, and be, and to, not to be served, but to serve others, to give his life as a ransom. Here's my last point about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is so upside down that it calls us to be people who lead by serving. We lead by serving not to be served. That's the upside-down kingdom. I am here. I exist to serve my heavenly Father, to do his will, to do his bidding. 
But our world we live in says this world is here to serve us. We got to get the most out of this world. You be you, the world says. Follow your heart, the world says. And it seems good and it seems right, but it's not the way of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God says you do him. You follow his heart because your heart is deceptive. You follow his heart. It serves one another. I wonder what it would look like if I'm asking the question, how can I best serve my wife so she could be the best for the Lord? In the prayer that, that Bob prayed today, he, he prayed about us serving. What does it look like for us to serve the church instead of what is the church doing to serve me? Because when we serve the church, we're serving our Heavenly Father. Am I here to serve God or is He here to serve me? And that question is answered just by your very prayer life. Yes, we're to, we're to ask. Ask whatever you wish. But there's a part in our life that we come and we just say, God, what do you want of me? I'm here to serve you. What do you want? That's the upside-down kingdom. The upside-down kingdom is, is that it's not establishing this earthly government, but a spiritual government. And in that, it transforms our community. It's one that says that, that this life is an abundant life in Christ, not in this world. And it says that I'm here to serve, to serve my king, to serve my master. I'm not here to lord over. That's what the Greeks do. But I'm here to serve under and to lift up. You know, COVID certainly has changed a lot of what we do and a lot of what happens in our lives. I'm glad that it's disrupted my life because it's really caused me to ask the question, how am I living? What am I viewing? What is most important to me? I'm ready for it to be over any day, any day, God. But I'm also embracing because it, it allows me to stop. It allows me to consider what is the kingdom of God. And it's certainly not the kingdom on this earth. Lord Jesus, today, the world we live in is so appealing. And Lord, we're, we can go be so immersed in it that we begin to lose our way. But Lord, help us to live in the kingdom, your kingdom. It's a different kingdom. It calls us to a different life. Lord, help us that we are seeking your abundant life and not the life, the abundant life of this world. Help us, Lord, to find ourselves in a place where we are truly here to serve you, to serve your bride, to serve our community, to bring light into darkness. In Jesus' name, amen. As we sing our last song, we want to welcome you and invite you. If you'd like to do communion, we're going to be serving communion this morning. And uh, you're welcome to come and participate in that. If it's a time for you to say, Lord, you know what? I recognize I have been pursuing the kingdom of this world and not your kingdom. That that has been more in my heart 
than you. It's a great time to be able to reflect on that and just make that new commitment and say, Lord, I want to be part of your kingdom. So we invite you to do that as we sing this last song.